You're listening to the BigCast C-Suite Edition, your source for leadership insights and inspiration with John Jan Clays. Hey, John, how's it going with data analytics in your organization? You know what, John? We are having a blast over here at Partners. Oh, cool. One of the things I feel like people need to do is to continually sharpen their saw as it relates to data analytics. Have you heard of our AXFI conference? I have, John. You know, last year, the team went and they came back raving about the conference. What did they like about it? Well, I think that there's kind of two big tracks. It's not just data analytics, but it's also innovation, that you get to see your peers present some of their ideas rather than theory, things that are actually happening. You know, John, this sounds like a conference that more than just your data analytics team should come to. I mean, this is part of your senior team, your data analytics folks, maybe other members of your executive team. Hey, when's the conference this year? Have they scheduled it yet? Yeah, for for coming up in uh, 2018, it's June 10th through the 13th in Minnesota. Where where can I go to sign up? You can go to www.axficonference.com. That's www.axficonference.com. Great. I'll check it out. Thanks, John. Welcome, everyone. This is John Janclays. Welcome to this month's episode of C-Suite Interviews brought to you by the Big Cast Network. Hope everyone is doing well and looking forward to seeing many of you at the upcoming conference, the AXFI conference on June 10th through the 13th. Many of you have reached out to me and said you'd be happy to meet us there. And I look forward to seeing you and sharing ideas about data analytics, data security and innovation. The conference is chocked full of incredible speakers. Ron Shevlin, our very own John Bess, Brett King, Rhonda Sheets, Kurt Drake, just a number of speakers to help to enlighten and inspire us. And that's a good segue into this month's podcast. You know, the goal here on C-Suite Interviews is to meet with leaders and gain their perspective about what they're trying to do from the corner office with the help of executive coaches and consultants What are the thorny issues that they're tackling? And today, I think we've got somebody who's going to deliver on both aims. Somebody who's both a really smart leader as well as an inspiring one, Bill Parton. Bill is the CEO of Share and View Credit Union. Share and View is about 1.6 billion in assets, maybe 140,000 members, I believe. Um, Bill and I have worked together in different capacities for over 30 years. I would describe Bill as a leader's leader. A lot of folks would love to work with Bill and uh, and have. So um, in this interview, you're going to feel Bill's energy just leap right through your earbuds or microphones or however you're listening to this podcast. Bill brings a ton of energy and passion to his work. He's got a unique ability to both deliver high achieving results at the same time building deep relationships with the people he works with either the board of directors, the management team, staff, and members. He is a tremendous talent. So without any further delay, let's turn to my interview with CEO of Sharon View Credit Union, Mr. Bill Parton. Hey, Bill Parton, how you doing there? Welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, doing great. It's East Coast out here. We're ready for rain uh, all weekend. So happy Memorial Day to you. Right on, man. Three-day weekend coming at us. We know what to do with uh, some time off, how to re-energize, all that kind of good stuff. Hey, Bill, our listeners might not know you, and I think it'd be great if you could just take a minute and tell us about Sharon View, because you're the CEO of Sharon View Credit Union, and tell us about its mission and how things are going. Okay. Well, our mission is really about trying to wow our members, John. So we've set up a couple key pillars around growing deposits, growing loans, and growing members. Pretty basic business model, yet it's really something that 
comes to life when you think about the wow. And that's hard to define. And I kind of like it that way because, in other words, your wow is different than you know than, than Susie's wow, and is, is different than you know Bob's wow. So we really try to create this environment where folks will take uh, take on what we call genuine care and concern for the mm. person that they're dealing with in front of them across the table at a branch or on the phone, and as well as our internal uh, folks that you know dealing with accounting, dealing with our member service operations team or IT. We try to have that. Hey, what can I do to really uh, wow, go over the top, go that second mile? Mm-hmm. And so our formal mission is to enrich the lives of our members, but the how is the wow. Okay. <laughs> so it really allows us to it really allows us, I think, to even build in a little bit of creativity. And that's something I'm trying to push down in, you know, at, through the organization. You know, it's you, it's not always going to be on page 17, you know, uh, section three, paragraph two about how to handle a situation with a member, because as you know. Um, every individual has got very individualistic needs and, and very different needs. I like the way you talk about the wow bill that it's front office and back office. Sometimes we get so centered on the member and rightfully so, but sometimes we de-emphasize and forget about that coordination and integration that has to happen between front and back office if we're ever going to get to wow. So I really like that, that focus. Hey, tell us a little bit about the profile of the credit union, its size, um, kind of maybe some of your growth rates. How do you think about that? Just explain that to our to our listeners. Sure. So I've been here almost five years, and we are 1.6 billion. We're right at 1.6 right now. We uh, when I got here, we were about 1.2, 1.2 and a half, and we were Shareview was doing great when I got here. They were growing at about three and a half, four percent assets, uh, good solid loan growth. We've always struggled a little bit with deposits, just based on our member makeup, and. What's been fun over the last almost five years is to uh, have the board allow me to come in and say, hey, listen, these are the things we need to change. We need to create awareness and become Sharon View. We were known really as my joke was Sharon who. I mean, <laughs> no one knew who we were. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we, I said, hey, I need some money to spend on marketing. I need some money to spend on e-commerce and digital, uh, digital delivery. I need some money to uh, spend on staffing. And so I told the board, I made a promise. I said, hey, listen, we're going to drive efficiency ratio up, sorry, for the first three to four years. And then we're going to park that sucker and bring it back down based on uh, revenues generated and continuing to monitor expenses. And so what's been fun we're now at almost 80,000 members. Um, we work primarily in North and South Carolina. We've got uh, 18 branches. We just opened our most recent branch just down the road here. And then we've got one uh, satellite office up in New Jersey based on a SEG that we, uh, that we took on many years ago. It's been, uh, it's been fun, though, to, to actually now we're on billboards. Now we're on radio. Now we're on Pandora. Now we're on, uh, you know, uh, we've got some TV commercials we did in the Super Bowl, regional ads a couple years ago. And, and so it's been really fun to see the metamorphosis and to see the pride of the staff when they're listening to Pandora and say, hey, that's who I work for. You know, hey, that billboard, that, that guy, I know that guy, you know, Dwayne Clint Daniel. So it's been really fun to see uh, the pride. We, that was an unexpected benefit of all the work we've done to create awareness. So we're we're continuing to march on. We're uh, what we've done is we've doubled and tripled all the major indicators. We've um, we've quadrupled membership growth. We've uh, tripled asset growth. We've doubled loan growth, and uh, we're still attempting to to triple deposit growth from uh, just a year over year over year average. As you know, from when I walked into where we are today. Hey, congratulations! That is a great transformation, Bill. So I'm hearing in your strategy here that branches are still important. There's a lot of discussion in the industry that hey, branches are dead. 
maybe it needs to all go to clicks from bricks. How about your philosophy? How's it working at Sharon View? What are you doing with respect to branching? Great question. And it's a question I walked into, John. So when I walked into the doors October 21st of 2013, the board had been really sold on a path of we're going to become the next ally bank. And so we're we're not spending any money on branches. And I finally realized pretty quick why the operating expense ratio was 2.75 because <laughs> we were spending not a dime. And and it, and the CEO, uh, who is a great guy, just felt like, you know, we're going to move to clicks. So I'm a big fan of data facts and figures, as you well know. I mean, uh, that's how we run our business and it's got to be research or research oriented. So I reached out to Stephen Ryder of Bankography and said, hey, I need you to come in and I need you to do some analysis for us, something that we did similarly when you and I worked together at Partners and said, hey, let's not let our intuitions and our gut drive this. Let's let's use the, some data facts and figures and we'll couple that with our intuition. And the research came back, John, overwhelmingly that our members were continuing to do their big moments, opening a loan, opening, a, opening a, an account. Those moments of truth, we like to call, yeah. they were still doing those in the branches to the tune of about 75% of the time. Now, we've migrated that south a little bit, but we're still we're still doing the bulk of our work, even with millennials. Uh, they're coming in to see our mortgage loan officers. They're coming in at times to open to finish opening up an account. And, and so I still feel branches are extremely relevant. The, the data back that up. And what we did is, based on the study bankography did, we just said, hey – where can we put ourselves in better locations to now match this awareness strategy we're putting in place to go from sharing who to sharing view? And so it's been a it's been a great it's been a great um, transition. We've uh, blown up teller lines, so we have no teller we have no teller windows anymore. We're, we've gone to the pods, and we've gone to technology tables, and we you know we've got iPads and Surface Pro fours on those that folks can then learn how to fish right out of the gate. And so it's been it's been really fun. So we don't see personally, I don't see over the next five to 10 years branches completely going away. I really feel like we may end up transitioning those to more and, and better interaction centers. But I still feel that there's a spot for folks to come in. You know, when you're buying a home and, you know, here in North and South Carolina, it's not like Southern California. You know, it's it's one hundred and fifty to maybe three hundred thousand dollars. But you want to sit across the table at some point in time and talk to Melody or talk to Sherry Reams, and so, so it's a it's a it's a great chance for us to uh, to have to create those moments, and yet we we staff them thin. You know, we're not heavy. Yeah, we're not heavy with a bunch of folks. Our branches average four to five people. Yeah, well, yeah, I love the discipline of just using data, facts, and figures to tell the story along with your intuition and going out to talk to folks. Cause I know you're a big person who does that too. You know, you kind of balance your approach, but you know, Hey, good, good for Sharon view and congratulations on the growth that's moved from, you know, single digit to double digits. And um, this is fantastic. One of the scores that I looked at your profile is your ROM scores. Your return to the member score from Callahan is really high. How do you use that score? How do you think about it? Do you use that in your dashboards? Is that intentional? Very intentional, and it was something that when I got here, John, I, I came in with probably more of a, for those of you in the credit union world, a rad mindset, right? I want to be a high performer. It's something that I was very used to based on where we were, and yet I, as we started looking at what would be a meaningful story to tell our board, 
I started to become more and more enamored with and did more and more research around ROM. And what I really liked about it was whether or not it's a perfect system or not, I, I won't debate that, but I do like the idea it tries to assign value for the member with regards to your relationship with the credit union. And so the board for years, to their credit, had tracked um, the ROM, our ROM scores against what we call the big six. So uh, five of our competitors – Okay. that are larger than us in our marketplace, which I thought was a great view. And I mean, great institutions like True Lion and South Carolina Federal. And I become friends with the CEO, so it's been nice to network and share ideas. However, the ROM score, it takes all that subjectivity out, right? It's 5,300 driven, and then they've, uh, they've assigned values to uh, different ways that members use your products and services. What are you doing to provide value from a loan, a loan perspective? And then what are you doing to provide value from a deposit perspective? And I think that's really served us well. And it's not that we manage to that, but it's a great, it's a great scorecard. And it is on my dashboard and all my leaders' dashboards with regards to the boards challenge us to remain number one out of the big six and also to be in the 95th percentile or greater against all credit unions headquartered in North Carolina South Carolina and New Jersey, so it's about 300. And uh, knock on wood, we um, we ended up, yeah, we ended up uh, number one in all those credit unions uh, in those three states, and then we were number one against the big six. And we just ran the numbers for 17, and it looks like we're sitting around 34 out of uh, 5,700 credit unions in the country based on ROM. So I'm very, very proud of the team and the work that we've been able to do. Well, you should be proud of those results and it's great. And I can see why that is a great compass of True North, right? At the end of the day, all the strategies, the branching, the marketing, the advertising, if it doesn't add up to deeper relationships as measured by something that's pretty empirical, um, it's hard to know what True North is. So that is really cool. Hey, Bill, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of change up a little bit and have our listeners learn a little bit about your professional journey. So we've talked a lot about you being at Sharon View, but um, half of our audience is somebody who's not in the corner office who would like to be Bill Parton, you know, at some day. And, and just listening to other people's paths about how they got there is really instructive. That's what I'm hearing from some of our audience. So if you don't mind, give us a little bit of a, you know, overview of Bill's professional journey and how you got to Sharon View. Sure. So um, I will tell you, first of all, you, the mandatory thing is you've got to get a haircut. John, your hair is still way too long. So you've got to get, <laughs> got to get a, a good shape like this. Well, it's falling out faster than it's being cut. I tell you that, Bill. <laughs> you know, I, I think that I, in looking back, I, a couple things come to mind. Number one, I've always had a passion for the financial services industry. So I think there was uh, that there, that's first and foremost. I started as a banker, drive-up teller in 1980. And I in, in pretty quick order, and I was going to college then, in pretty quick order, I kind of fell in love with the banking business for whatever reason. I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the customer service. Um, I, I felt I was good with numbers, those kinds of things. So kind of got going there and also figured out within that first year I'd, I'd been accepted into a management development program. So I figured out pretty early that I really liked working with people. And, uh, you know, on those bad days, just quick side note, on those days that, you know, you, you, you have one of those tough days with people, you always think about that uh, Top Gun movie where, you know, they, uh, they just buzz the tower and it's like, hey, what's the name of that truck master school of trucking? You know, just get a big rig. I'm not talking to anybody. But I'll tell you, um, passion for the business, uh, really a passion to work with people. And, and, and really, at that point in time, wasn't sure where this was going to take me, but knew that I wanted to 
to become a manager, a supervisor, a manager. And a, I didn't even use the L word back then, you know, a leader. wasn't <laughs> sure what that was all about. And stayed, uh, I guess, uh, for me, the, the plus was I was able to do different jobs throughout my career. Uh, one was running a broker-dealer. Uh, I got my stockbroker's license, worked at Dean Witter for three years. And... Um, and so, uh, and got a chance to work with people and, and actually embedded even deeper that, wow, I do have a passion for helping people. Mm-hmm. And so there was a third thing that showed up. I really like the idea that I can help people get somewhere with regards to their finances. And I think that translates well into um, how I can now work with my staff, you know, my direct reports and those at the credit union. Hey, we want you to become a better you. And, you know, the old mantra that uh, John, you and I have shared, the Jim Rohn mantra about work harder on yourself than you do on your job. That's something that I've tried to take with me everywhere I go. So made my way through various and sundry jobs. And I remember having a conversation with you one time saying, wow, I think I may have kind of blown it because I've, I've had, you know, I've had eight different jobs. And I remember you saying to me, you know what? I look at it just the opposite. I actually look at it. You've got, you've got all this experience from, you know, various industries, the, the brokerage industry, the insurance industry, the investments industry. And, uh, but the passion for people, the, the, the passion really for just becoming a better, a better bill, a better leader has continued to kind of fuel my journey. And I had a chance to, uh, I, when I, I wrote it down in my journal when I was 45, I wrote down that um, I, I think my next step is to take on the CEO job. I'd love to see if I could operate at the highest level. And this is going to sound a little corny, John, but it, it never has been about the, the dollars or mm-hmm. the or the you know the retirement plan. It's been about trying to always have a have a career that's going to take care of my family. Absolutely, number one. But also just uh, Daniel Pink's drive. I really have. I really have. Uh, I love that idea. It's been that intrinsic motivator. Can I do it? Can I get better? You know, can I can I climb that mountain? And I I think that's what's kind of fueled me is been that intrinsic. You know, that kind of that intrinsic drive of, hey, uh, can I, can I get to the top in the you know in the credit union world? And I defined where that where that was going to be. Uh, right around 45 too. I really just love how the credit union world was structured. You know, it's collaborative, it's cooperative, it's, we're not competitors. Yeah, we're competitors, but we're, you know, we can share ideas and your strategy won't fit at Sharonview, but, and my strategy won't fit you, but boy, I can maybe, I'm a big fan of plagiarism. I can mm-hmm. steal some great ideas, put them into practice here. So um, I, I think that's, you know, I, 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 last thing I'll share very quickly, I, I was at Partners Federal Credit Union working with you, John. Uh, I had the privilege of you hiring me to run the QSO, and you kept saying, hey, I'm going to give you the branches, and uh, you know, I think I'm going to give you the call center, and um, I, let's try this marketing thing, and how about business development? And you allowing me to kind of spread my wings um, and being able to try different things uh, got me to a point where I felt like, hey, I think I can do this. I think I, could, I think I could do the big job. And so it was really fun to have a leader that had enough trust in me that would give me additional assignments, and I think that was that was a big learning for me that, hey, you've got to be in an environment where, you know, there's that trust built up and you can ask for or you can be given assignments that are going to grow you and stretch you and make you a better you. And so it really, you know, fit that philosophy. I work harder on Bill than I do on my job. Well, I was able to do both at Partners and, um, and then ended up, you know, making the big leap here. Well, Bill, you know, that's um, generous comments, but it was so easy to ask you to take on additional responsibilities because we had big challenges in front of us and you had the appetite to want to go after those things. And, and so that kind of partnership and working together and it was is, uh, is one of the highlights of, of my time here at Partners too. So, hey, thinking about this idea of personal development, and I know you're all in on this, a big de- believer. I know that you've done some management school, leadership training, um, 
programs at Sharon View. Maybe share with us a little bit what those are, and then what are the goals of those programs? Great question. So when I got here, it, the, the Sharon View had a leadership base, a foundation, but it was pretty shallow. It was it was very wise, but it was not deep at all. And I haven't attended the Center for Creative Leadership, having a chance to really kind of drink from that fire hose <laughs> and, uh, and walk yeah. away with uh, some great experiences, great assessments around the Campbell 360 Leadership Index and the Fire OB and Myers-Briggs and all those things. I really felt I really felt convicted that, hey, listen, for me to uh, create an environment where we're going to have leaders that can come in and really be very self-aware and continue to grow their skills and abilities, I wanted to do something that was going to uh, encapsulate what I'd learned at the Center for Creative Leadership. And so we we got a chance, John, based on uh, some of the work that we did together, our partners and the CCU or the CCL model, um, we launched a program where we would bring in outside coaches that were uh, Center for Creative Leadership certified and basically started training. And what's really cool about this is that was our genesis. And what we we spent a week together doing assessments, getting peer level feedback, boss feedback, uh, uh, actually staff feedback to our leaders, and then helping folks understand what the what all that all the assessments meant and then hey what can I work on to get better where what I'm really excited about is we set on a 10-year journey so we're in year four going on five right now that what we wanted to do to embed leadership into the DNA of the organization was we now um, we now call that event the four-day event and so it's not now it's not now it's not just that 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 was our program four and a half years ago. Now that's one component of our program. So we've now brought on coaches in-house uh, as well as external coaches. And we've got a mandatory uh, books that we read. So over my right shoulder, you'll see a little bit of my bookshelf. And so, you know, Jim Collins, good to great. John Maxwell, the five levels of leadership. Patrick Lencioni, the advantage. Patrick Lencioni, the ideal team player. They're, they're, they're now staples in, in our program. So you're going to have book reading. We've assigned coaching buddies. We do we spend a lot of money internally to sit in class and get trained and then and then go out and practice that training and come, you know, and then work with your coaching buddy on how that all works. And so we've really uh, we've really tried to take it deeper, deeper and, and, and continue the, you know, continue to widen it, uh, widen it as well. But it's a nice combo of assessments of real life practice. So we brought in the coaching habit two years ago. We brought in the, that company and really started talking about how to do a, a 10 minute coaching session. And here are my green coaching cards uh, right on my desk. So, I mean, we've, we've made it very apparent that, hey, listen, when you come into one of our offices as a leader, if uh, someone is going to sit down and chat, we've got the ability to talk about um, taking them through how they initiate action, how they respond to challenges. And again, trying to keep the monkey <laughs> on their yeah. shoulder mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm. and, and help them solve the, the issue. So it's been really fun. And I feel like it's I feel like it's been a difference maker for us, John, in that. The numbers have been great. I've, I'm very, very proud of where we've traveled. I will tell you, I think we've traveled and tra changed the trajectory of our organization, not only with great people, but with with great leadership skills and abilities being, you know, being poured into our leaders. Well, it's great that you can look at the results and see that as one input and then feel the sustainability of it because you can watch your people all through the organization growing and you continue to make the investments. I love the idea that it's beyond this four out and this four day event, right? That it's actually kind of a system of systems that are happening yes. continuously, you know, through the year. So 
Um, you mentioned a couple books, and, and you and I love to read and share books. And if I were to look at your tablet or your phone or your Audible, I don't know what, what you're doing to consume information now. Bill, what are some of the things that you're reading and, and you're listening to right now? So I, I don't know about you, those of you that are going to watch this, but I think that's probably my biggest challenge, right, is just making sure you carve out time to, to continue to learn. And, you know, the old uh, – you know, readers are leaders, right? The old John Maxwell axiom, and he probably, someone else probably said it before John, but um, right now, again, I've got some of the old staples uh, that I'll continue to go back to. Uh, you know, Peter Drucker's The Five Most Important Questions is sitting over on the, on mm-hmm. the shelf here as well. Uh, right now, for me, Harvard Business Review, Wall Street Journal for the quick news glance, I, I, do, I, do, glan- I, I do look at McKinsey quite often, Bain. Um, and really try to uh, really try to make sure. I think uh, HBR does a great job of just bringing some real relevant leadership topics, and I think that's probably my favorite go-to. Um, from a book um, perspective, I am using Audible, so I've got about a forty-minute commute, so I'll I use Audible to uh, to to stay up on books. And um, man, you know, you attend a good session like Global Leadership Summit. Or I just came from Entree Leadership. I walked away with four books: Condoleezza Rice's Democracy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to. How to get that devoured? Um, had a chance uh, last year at the Global Leadership Summit to hear um, oh, the guy from Google, and I apologize, but um, it, it just it, there is just some great ideas around HR and HR practices. But it's been a I was telling my assistant this morning, I said, hey, I've got so many books I want to get read. So, you know, I just continue to continue to add to the list. But Audible helps. And then, you know, you just got to take some time to, to stop and pause and do a little bit of uh, part of my refresh strategy also is taking that time to just sit back and grab a good book. And I really I really bounce between a good spiritual book and then also um, some, some good leadership books. I'm not a I, I don't I don't read anything that's fiction and I maybe I should <laughs> but uh, I really enjoy gobbling up leadership stuff and so yeah. that's you know that again that's one of my my passions well, yeah you and I share a passion for reading uh, uh, outside of just the credit union movement you mentioned Harvard and Bain and McKinsey and how important that is to see kind of in adjacent markets what's happening and reading what's what's going on there so for sure Bill I also know that you're a journaler um, so maybe you want to talk about the benefits of journaling and then, you know, how's it evolved for you? How are you using journaling today? Maybe. Well, it, you know, it's funny. Um, so my journal is right here and it's, uh, it, I've got my, my tab. So I use this for all kinds of things. Uh, one is, uh, uh I'm, I'm fortunate enough to teach a, a young men's class at church. And so those red tabs are for that group. Uh, the green tabs are the time I spend with my executive coach. Coach, I, I still, you know, I, I still believe in, in having an executive coach, someone that can, you know, sits up in the play booth, and I'm on the field uh, calling plays, and we get together and talk. I'll use it for just ideas, uh, something, uh, something that I, I love to scribble ideas in there. And I tell you, the thing that I remember when I started, uh, John, uh, on the journey, and I remember, I thought, oh, it's got to be perfect, can't make a mistake, you don't want to be crossing <laughs> anything out. Um, forget that. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's my personal spot where I can scribble and and make and make uh, you know doodles and drawings and and kinds of stuff. And what's really cool is we've launched three major initiatives here: one around business intelligence, uh, several around major employee moves and and staff alignments and organization organizational moves. Um, we've launched a, a, a second big initiative around operational excellence. We're getting ready to. I'm really now challenging myself to see how the organization should be structured around digital and digital delivery. Yeah. And so it's been a, 
it's been, I call it an idea catcher. And so my, my concept is I, I use that to capture my ideas. Uh, I'm also kind of anal enough. I put my goals in here. I've got my, I track my, uh, I track my hours of sleep. I work out, you know, um, that's good. It's a catch all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a little bit of everything. And then I'll put pictures in and that's what I'm loading in from last year. I had a couple pictures I hadn't gotten in. So I'll, I'll print pictures and toss those in. So there's also the family moments with the grandsons and the granddaughters and you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I really, uh, I, I don't think there's any magic formula. I've made it my own. I know you use yours yeah. and, and some similar ways and mm-hmm. then yet some different ways. So it's, but I think it's essential. I think you need something. David Allen has written a couple great books, right, called Getting Ready and, and Getting Things Done. And for me, I started making goal lists in 1980. And I'm a big fan of writing down my goals. And then I'm also a big fan, and I think it's because of my dad. You know, he used to leave the house on Saturday morning and say, hey, Bill, here's your list for the day. And I'd cross <laughs> everything off. And it had to be done by 4 p.m. <laughs> before he got home. So, uh, But I, I continued that practice in my personal life around goals. And so that's really, to me, was the beginning of, of starting to get, you know, get things in here. I think it's really served me. It's really served me well. It's also David Allen, to finish that thought, he says, hey, you got to get those things out of your head so you can free up the gray matter to actually do some thinking on things, really do some some strategy thinking and, and thinking about how, you know, where we need to go next. And that's, I think that's something that, um, a lot of folks struggle with. There's so much going on up here. Get it out. Get it on paper. Free yourself up. Uh, to, as you know, we're all time crunch. Trying to get take time to really sit and and work on things in big blocks of time. Yeah, you know, for b- me, Bill, the journal is it is a reminder to slow down, right, and take a moment to pause and think and review your goals and what you learned today and what are the opportunities and and and, and like you're explaining, it has evolved over the years. My journaling and. Um, so, but I, I don't know what I would do without it. Right. It, it's just, it's just part of, you know, the DNA that makes things work. So, um, thanks for sharing how you use journals. I think a lot of folks are interested uh, in that practice. So you put down your goals and objectives, you don't hit them all. You're journaling and maybe there's some setbacks that are in there as well as some victories. But I think sometimes we learn as much from setbacks as we do from when things go our way. And I don't know if you've got either a, a professional or personal setback that helps to inform who you are today and how you make choices. Um, is there anything like that in your in your journals? There is, and it was probably pre-journal. But um, one of the one of the things that you know, when you look back on your career, and you know, it's it's weird now talking about you know it, about thirty, you know, thirty-seven, thirty-eight years, you know, doing doing something. Um, it's amazing how fast time flies, and. And I know that as a young executive, uh, I was a, I was the vice president at a Canadian bank um, running operations when I was uh, 26 years old, 27 years old, and ended up being downsized, part of a downsizing. And, you know, I remember getting walked into the office and being told I was being, you know, let go that day. I remember telling the person letting me go what a big mistake, you know, she was making. <laughs> and... I, I, I tell you in a, in a second, you know, so everything you knew, we had a, we had our second child had just been born. He had some health issues. I mean, I needed the health coverage and I remember driving home 
this is pre-cell phone, right? And being able to, and my wife's like, what are you doing home? And had to explain that, you know, hey, I, my job just got eliminated. But I tell you, John, from that moment, that kind of crystallized in my head, really took a moment to, because of the goal list and because I had some, a little bit of a foundation, it wasn't much, <laughs> had a little bit of a foundation around what I thought I wanted to do. I was able to, you know, oh, I washed cars and mowed lawns for a couple weeks and then, you know, I was looking for a job. But I also realized that, hey, I wanted to try something different at that point in time. So I decided to become a stockbroker and ended up getting a job at Dean Witter. And um, it, that really changed the trajectory. Had that had my, my CCB moment not happened, I would have never got my licenses. I would have never tried to make it as a stockbroker for three years. And by the way, you'll never see that on my LinkedIn page or profile. That was a, the roughest three years of my life, 100 mm -hmm. cold calls a day yeah. uh, for three years. Um, it wasn't a very successful stockbroker from a gross production perspective, but man, really helped a lot of people get to some places they wanted to get. And it, it was really a lot of fun. And again, it cemented one of those passions in my mind about I want to help people. I want to be in a role where I can uh, help people take those next steps personally and professionally. So that was a that was a uh, that was a one of those moments that. You know, I'll never forget. And again, I, I look back now and I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, that was part of what made me, <laughs> you know, and, and what kind of galvanized some thinking in my mind about what I wanted to do. Yeah, you and I share some similar paths at Coast Federal Bank. I got the great handshake. Thanks for coming by. You know, we're doing a little downsizing. We're going to work on our efficiency ratio and you're part of that contribution. Goodbye, Mr. Janklays, you know. <laughs> so uh, I do understand that. So, Bill, in your travels, you probably um, have somebody that, that you look to and you admire, mentors, something like that. So um, or maybe even a historical figure, somebody that you point to and saying, hey, that, that, that's somebody to remember yeah. and admire. Um, maybe you could share with our listeners if there's such a person for you. There is. And I, I, I really think for me, John, it's, it's been, I've had, I've, I've got a, a couple folks in my life that I consider mentors. Uh, my, and you know, uh, you're one of those, by the way, as we've talked and, uh, my executive coach has been uh, fantastic, but I tell you, as I look back and, and by when I, as I read biographies and autobiographies about great leaders, the one that I continue to circle back to is Ronald Reagan. Hmm. Um, I just, uh, I really admired a couple things about him. I could go on and on, but I won't. But a couple things about him. One, great communicator. That's something that I really, um, I, I really strive to do in my role. You know, to make sure that uh, there, it, I'm, I'm clear, I'm concise, and yet there's some inspiration and motivation. Hopefully, that that you know that comes with with some of the things that that come out of my office. And then secondarily, I, I thought he did a great job of surrounding himself with smart people. Mm. Had a chance at that Entree Leadership Conference to hear from Art Laffer, or Laffer, however you'd like to pronounce that. And it was really great to hear some of the Reagan stories. And just some of the stories, you know, you may not have read in a book where, you know, he was at lunch with them and, and questioned him you know, about a certain a certain move, that, a political move that he made, you know, and, and he would, you know, and Reagan had a great sense of humor and, and, and shared a, and shared a couple of humorous anecdotes with him. And it was, it was really fun to hear, but I love the fact that he put smart people around him to advise him, give him counsel. And then for him, you know, he made the call, the ultimate call, but it, I, I thought it was extremely, um, ex extremely good move of him. And I've tried to practice that, you know, in my business, I want to put I'm not afraid to hire someone smarter than me. My attitude is, you know, it's going to make us better, right, as a company. Absolutely. And it's going to push me as a leader. Uh, I don't want to be – I never will be the smartest guy in the room. I love the idea that I've got a, a COO that's going to challenge me every step of the way in a good way. 
and my CFO uh, in putting together and helping us shape our strategy and making sure that the, you know we got the numbers uh, coming out the way we want to have them come out. So um, I, I like that, and I and so that's something I've tried to mirror from. Yeah, great uh, man from history. Um, Bill, we're coming to the end of our time, and I'm wondering before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience that you think they should know? You know, I think uh, the last thing I would love to share, John, is um, I, the, the Center for Creative Leadership happened to me in 2007. I was 47 years old, and you kind of think you know what's going on. And um, man, I went and had that experience, and I walked away uh, with a with a whole a new appreciation about. When I think when I was younger, as a young, a, a young up and coming supervisor manager, I tried to compartmentalize my life. You know, I had my work life, and I had my home life, and the church life, and 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 you know, and I, 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 it was hard to keep all those things separate. And the one thing that the the Center for Creative Creative Leadership did is it really talked about being a whole person. It said, hey, you need to look at yourself. You need to draw four circles, and you can draw them based on the size and the amount of energy you put into them. One around self, one around career run around community, one around family, and you surround all four of those with one big circle. It was called spiritual, and that could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. But what I loved about it was those things need to be in balance. And uh, if you start to see the career get out of balance, you're spending more time there, guess what? Family's getting ne ne uh, neglected. You're, you're probably not taking care of yourself and your health, your friends, what friends. So I thought it was a great visual for me and it's something that I, I've carried with me since then with regards to, hey, I want to make sure that, that I'm a whole person and that my life's in balance. And mm -hmm. so that means, you know, eating right, taking care of myself, uh, uh, working out. Yeah, try to get up at five in the morning and do the run or do the, you know, do the walk on the, the, the treadmill, what have you. And so it's um, I think it served me well. And as you know, and I think we believe in the same philosophy, you know, a, a healthy executive is going to be and a fit executive is going to have the mental prowess to take care of the things we need to take care of. You know, and handle the weight of what we do. And um, and again, that's great people around you. And it's also making sure you're taking care of Bill and you're taking care of John. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, thanks for sharing that. I'm so pleased that you were able to join us today. Um, I think our listeners just got to, to hear from one of the superstars in our industry and somebody who's got a lot of great practices to share. Bill, thanks for being on the show today. And to all of our listeners, we'll see you next month with another episode of C-Suite Interviews. Bye for now. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Big Cast C-Suite with John Janclays. To learn more or connect with John and the CEO Corner, please visit theceocorner.com. And we always welcome you to join in on our conversation. You can connect with the BigCast Network directly by tweeting us at BigFintech, emailing us at info at big-fintech.com, or visiting our website at bigfintechmedia.com. 